And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John, chapter 8. That's where we're going to be. And um, we're going to look at verses 12 through 20. And I want to go ahead and read. I'm going to pray for us. um, And we'll pray uh, for Zambia yet again today. And we'll pray that God would open our hearts and minds as we look into His Word uh, this morning. Pray with me. God, thank You so much for Chris. Thank You for keeping her safe. Thank You for bringing her back um, to us. And God, we know that you did an amazing work there in and through her. And so we just celebrate that today. God, I pray that as we look to your word, God, that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd open our hearts for what you want to say to us today uh, through your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 12 and go through verse 20. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so I want, you to, I want you to remember that, well, no, let's keep reading. Okay, so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. That's interesting. We're going to talk about that a lot in just a few minutes. Verse 16, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Now I think it's important for us to look at verse 20 a little bit deeper and see the context of where Jesus is when he makes this bold claim, I am the light of the world. I am the light of life. And so follow along with me as we kind of look into this. It's the end of the first day of the Feast of Booths. Okay, And so at the end of the first day of the Feast of Booths, which would be the time frame that this happened, where Jesus walked up in the temple and shared this with the people there, the religious leaders there. Okay, But at the end of the first day of the Feast of Booths, four golden lamps were lit in the temple courts in the midst of great rejoicing. Right, So in the midst of a great celebration, these four golden lamps were lit in the temple courts, singing and celebration. Some of you need to close your ears for the next part with music and dancing. I'm sure they left room for Jesus. With music and dancing continued through the nights of the feast, and the entire city was illuminated by temple lights. So I want you to I want you to just picture this, right? This 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 picture of light, these four gold lamps, the sea illuminated, and there was a party, there was a celebration that was going that was going on in the temple. And it's in this context that Jesus makes his starting claim to be the light of the world. If you think about light throughout scripture, it's a rich Old Testament symbol. It was the first thing that God created. Right? God created light. It was the first thing that He created. During the Exodus, the people of God were led in their journey by a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night to light their way. The psalmist taught that the Lord is my light and my salvation. The coming age of the kingdom would be a time when the servant of the Lord would be as a light for the nations. And what Jesus was boldly saying here as He walked into the temple is He's he's saying that the promised day of light has arrived. And the bold claim that he's making is, I am the source of everlasting 
joy. He is the sun by which we see all things. And I want you to think about that, right? Because a lot of us associate joy with life. Growing up down in, in North Carolina, one of our favorite things to do around Christmas time was to go around and try to find the neighborhoods with all the Christmas lights, right? Anybody do that? Anybody drive around and you just, you look for Christmas lights anywhere you can find them? We had a place uh, down in North Carolina that we love to go to. Uh, it's called McCaddenville. If you're ever down in the Charlotte, North Carolina area around Christmas time, it's beautiful. It's a great place to go and see Christmas lights. And I remember our car being filled with joy for a couple reasons. Number one, um, the lights, right? Being able to go around and look at the lights. Number two, it was the only thing that my brother and I used to give my mom for Christmas is that he and I would get along around Christmas time. And so, you know, it was, it was nice. It was pleasant. If you have a sibling, you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Um, but but the, the, thinking about light as being the source of everlasting joy. And here Jesus walks into the temple and says, I am the source of everlasting joy. Now I want you to think about what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks with John, and Jesus is teaching that he is what? The better than, right? He's the greater than. He's the, he is the greater water. He's the better water. John chapter 4, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. He's the better bread, right? If you eat of the bread that I give you, you'll never hunger again. And here he's saying in the midst of the celebration, in the midst of all of this light and illumination, the celebration was singing and dancing and feasting. He's saying, I am the better light. I'm the better light. What a bold statement that Jesus would walk into the temple and say and make this claim, I am the source of everlasting joy. And just like the woman at the well, who wouldn't want that living water? And just like the people we talked about last week, who wouldn't want to never hunger again? Here, we have this source of everlasting joy. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to wake up tomorrow morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? I mean, who wouldn't want that everlasting joy? And I believe that Jesus makes three claims here about being the light that when we follow Jesus, we have. And the first one is this. Pretty obvious. We have the light of life. When we follow Jesus, we have the light of life. If you look back at verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of Life. Listen to me, without Jesus, without Jesus, we're always walking in spiritual darkness. Did you hear that? Without Jesus, we are always walking in spiritual darkness. And you know what happens when you walk in the dark? You stumble and fall. Or, in my house these days, as Ezra is discovering Legos, you know the thing about Legos? They never all get picked up. And at 4.30 in the morning when I walk out into my living room, I find that one that didn't get picked up right there, right? And that's what happens when you walk in the dark. You step on something that hurts really, really badly. Who knows something that small would hurt that bad when you stepped on it? Little Lego, bless his heart. We are removing Legos in the name of Jesus in our house. Anyway, um, but you stumble and fall, right? When you walk in the dark, you stumble and fall. You walk and, and, and undoubtedly, right, especially if, you, if your house is full of kids, you're going to walk on something, you're going to walk into something, you're going to step on something, you stumble and fall only without Jesus. Without Jesus, 
you stumble and fall forever. That's the truth of the gospel. All right, this is the truth of the gospel. And so what is the claim that Jesus made for himself? That he is the light of the world. What's the claim that he made for his followers? That they will never, everybody say never. Never never walk in darkness. Never walk in darkness. Now listen to me. Don't sound like a bunch of Jets fans that are going to lose today, okay? All right? Let's, let's have that 1030 gusto this morning. Let's have that 1030, that 1030 gusto, okay? Say never. never. There we go. They will never walk in darkness. When we follow Jesus, we have the light of life and we'll never walk in darkness. The second thing, the second thing that Jesus says here about those who follow him is that we have a savior that we can trust. Look at verses 14 through 17 because I think this is very fascinating. Okay, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Now wait a minute, right? Wait a minute. Jesus is making a claim here Right? I judge no one. But I thought, I thought, you know, God is judge and Jesus is, is God. And so how can he say here that he judges no one? That's a great question. I'm really glad you asked because when I read that this week, I was like, whoo, we got to dig into that a little bit. When Jesus says that I judge no one, he means, and I think this is really important for us to grasp, right? What was his purpose for coming to earth? It wasn't to be the judge. He didn't come to earth. He didn't step out of heaven, God with skin on, to judge. He didn't come as judge, but He came as Savior. His role in His earthly ministry was to not judge, but to save. And I think that is real pivotal for us because as we serve Him, imitate Christ in all things, Ephesians 5.1, I know we've quoted that verse a lot lately, but I think it's important as we talk about this person that we're pursuing in Jesus, Right? That, that our role is to point people back to the Savior. God is judged. Jesus saves. The Holy Spirit convicts. We love people back to Him. You see that? That's real pivotal for us, I think. Let's keep reading. Verse 8, verse 16. Yet even if I do judge, and I want you to get this. This is so awesome. My judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. Now I want you to see what he does in verse 17. In your law, so he's talking to the religious leaders in the temple, celebrating the Feast of Booths, having the dancing, having the singing, having the light. The city is full of light. And he's throwing their law back at them. You see this? He says, your law states, in your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and my Father who sent me bears witness about me. We have a Savior that we can trust. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says this, that Christians are in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So guess what? We can trust God. Why? Because God can't lie. And God promised eternal life for those who follow Him before time began. We have a Savior that we can trust. God can't lie. He can do an infinite number of good things, but God cannot sin. He cannot lie. So the words of Jesus are always dependable. We can count on His Word. We can count on Him. And we must count on Him. You still with me? Okay, for the two of you that are, 
We have the light of life. And we have a Savior that we can trust. I think, I think that, I think that, when I read that this week, I was so inspired. I don't know about you, but I look at things, I look at things in the world, I am just confused about some stuff. You listen to things, and you read things, you're like, man, this is confusing. I don't know what to think about this. I don't know what to do about this. You hear something, you read something, it's all different. It's all different. But yeah, we serve a Savior that we can trust. We serve a Savior that we can fall back on, that we can trust, that we can follow, that we can trust. God cannot lie. I don't know about you, but that's better than any Dunkin' Donuts right there. We have the light of life. We have a Savior we can trust. And then number three, we have access to the Father. Now, I know we've talked about this a lot, right? Because we're talking about Jesus, and Jesus came so that we could have access to the Father. But I want you to read what he writes, what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says this. He says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, where therefore, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. We have access to the Father. And I think that's important. Because I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I go about my life, and I go about my week, and I go about my day, and I, and I do my deal, and I forget right? How quickly, how prone we are to forget that we have access to the Father, that no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're going, no matter what we're facing, no matter what conversation we're in, no matter what we're doubting, we have access to the Father. We have access to this light of life. We have access to the Savior that we can trust. How do we have access? Because of Jesus. Because Jesus. And here he makes that claim again, if you knew me, you would also know the Father. Because I came that you might have access to the Father. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this light? What do we do with the, this truth that He is the light of the world? If you look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, you don't have to turn there. It's going to be on our screen as well. But Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to jump there. This is the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is preaching, right? Oh man, so good. Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16, and it says this. One more page. There it is. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. See, we all know, right? Salt is used to enhance flavor. And some of you use it the right way, and some of you pour a whole salt thing on it. But that, I'm not here to judge you, okay? That's it's your heart. Anyway, um... I'm just kidding. But salt is used to, to enhance flavor. It's also used as a preservative. So for us, to be salt means to deliberately seek to influence the people of one's life by showing them the unconditional love of Jesus through good deeds. To be salt means to deliberately, on purpose, intentionally seek to influence the people in our lives by showing them, by showing them, not yelling at them, by showing them the unconditional love of Jesus through good deeds. What does this mean for us today? Well, if we keep reading Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here, He goes on to say, you're the light of the world. 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So we reflect the light of Jesus to the world. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I think that's important. So they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Not so that we can get glory. We're not the light of the world so that we can get glory, so that we can feel good about ourselves, so that we can you know, uh, add the jewels in our crown. That's not our responsibility. We don't, we don't get extra to, for things for doing things for our advancement or for our glory. No, 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 no. It's for the glory of God that we are the light of the world. Light is a symbol used to mean awareness, knowledge, and understanding. We're going to light something up. We're going to bring awareness to something. We're going to bring knowledge around something. We're going to bring understanding to something. To be light means to be a witness to others concerning the truth of God's Word, especially about who Jesus is and how He died and rose again for our salvation. And so, in the same way that Jesus is the light of the world, He calls us. He calls us in Matthew chapter 5 to be salt and light for Him. To be salt and light for Him. See, here's the thing. I believe for us, as we start to think about applying this to our lives, I believe there's some things that stand in the way of the light. I believe that there's some things for us that maybe hold us in darkness, that maybe keep us in the dark, Right And keep us from experiencing the light that Jesus is and sharing that light with other people. And here's the thing. I believe today, I believe today that Jesus wants to turn off the dark in your life. Look at your, look at your neighbor. Say, he wants to turn off the dark. That was pathetic. All right, look at your other neighbor. Say, he wants to turn off the dark. This is exciting, right? He wants to turn off the dark in your life. In fact, Jesus came to turn off the dark. The light of Jesus turned off the darkness, right? Turns off the darkness. And I believe especially in these four areas. And I know there's more. But I believe that these are four pretty prevalent things that we are walking amongst right now. The first one is this, loneliness. Jesus wants to turn off the dark of your loneliness. What keeps us from experiencing the light of Jesus? Loneliness. Every gift sends a message, doesn't it? Every gift sends a message. God sent us Himself because He knew how much we desperately needed Him. How many of you have ever ridden a jet ski? Okay. We're like a jet ski. We're like a jet ski. Hang with me, Matt. I'm going to get there. Okay? You should have seen the face that he just gave me. That was even out of my bad eye. Okay? Hang with me. We're going to get there. Have you ever, you know, you, know you, you, hold, you wear something around your wrist or attached to your life vest when you're riding a jet ski. Why? Because if you fall off, it's the kill switch. Right? It's the kill switch. So the jet ski, the jet ski just shuts down right there, right? For a couple reasons, right? Um, safety, number one. Number two, um, that you can find the jet ski, 
when you get back up out of the water, right? And so we're like a jet ski with the kill switch pulled. No matter how many friends we have, separated from him, there is something missing. No matter how, no matter how good the jet ski looks, if you don't have the kill switch, guess what? You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And we're like a jet ski with the kill switch pulled. No matter how many friends we have separated from Him, there is something missing. That's how it's possible to feel lonely in a crowded room. You ever been in a crowded room and felt completely alone? Yeah, we, chances are we all have, right? That's why it's possible. Because without Jesus, without Jesus separated from Him, there's something missing. There is no greater presence than His presence. There's no greater presence than His presence. And that's why Jesus' name was to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus came to turn off the dark of your loneliness to bring His presence into your life. You're never alone. You're never alone. You're never alone. Plug that kill switch back into that thing and rev it up. You're never alone. The second area is fear. 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 Jesus is the wonderful counselor who was sent to us to give us wisdom and free us from what frightens us. See, here's the thing. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. I'm not trying to tell you something that you don't already know. But we live in uncertain times, don't we? I mean, you never know, right? What's going to happen when you turn on the TV next or when you listen to the radio next? There's so many things happening all around us. And like the light that causes cockroaches to scatter, right? Have you ever seen that? The presence of Jesus' perfect love in the human heart drives out all fear. Light it up. Light it up. What are, you, what are you most fearful of right now? What would it look like to put some Jesus in it? What would it look like to shine the light of Jesus on the cockroaches of fear in your life and just watch it scatter? And just watch it scatter. And just watch it scatter. Fear. 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 Third thing, despair. Despair. I believe despair stands in the way of us experiencing Jesus as the light of life. Because how many of you know hopelessness reigns? Listen to this. Suicide now kills more people than car accidents do. Did you know that? Suicide now kills more people than car accidents do. So many despair of life itself. And listen, I'm not... I'm not judging there. I'm just sharing the reality of where we are in our culture right now. So many despair of life itself. Not just the down and outers, but the up and inners too. Professional athletes, singers, actors, CEOs, pastors and church leaders. People take their lives without realizing it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And listen, listen, listen. I understand that the pain is real. Not minimizing the fact that the pain is real, but Jesus shed his blood for you and he died so that you could live. Jesus wants to shine a light into despair. Jesus wants to shine a light in our loneliness, our fear, our despair, and then lastly, our guilt. If you're taking notes there, you can put in parentheses shame because I think you could put either one here, guilt and shame. See, how many of you know forgiveness is our biggest need because sin is our biggest problem? 
Forgiveness is our biggest need because sin is our biggest problem. All of us have crossed lines that we know we shouldn't have. And see, here's the deal. And this is, this is another one, okay? This is like the jet ski. You've got to follow along with me for just a minute, okay? Heaven's like a roller coaster. Heaven's like a roller coaster, okay? Heaven's like a roller coaster. Have you ever walked up to a roller coaster and been too short to ride? Okay? I've walked up to a roller coaster and I've been too tall to ride. Okay, there's one at Funtown. My kids are always like, Daddy, you going to go with us this time? I'm like, baby, I haven't drank enough coffee. I haven't shrunk enough yet to, to ride that one. But I, I've tried to sneak on it a couple times. And uh, every time I get to the front of the line, they hold that thing up. And they're like, sir, you're too tall. And I, so I finally asked them one time. I was like, what's going to happen if I'm a few inches too tall to ride this thing? They're like, you might take your head off. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to ride. That's enough for me. I won't ride. And I will admit, I will confess, I love roller coasters. And, and, uh, and every time I ride a roller coaster that, that goes through a tunnel, I cringe. I'm like, okay, Jesus, here I come. Right? Because somebody didn't measure this part. And it looks pretty close to me. I at least put my hands down. I kind of turn into a turtle. And Brie will look at me or Michael will look at me, whoever's on the roller coaster. Wasn't the tunnel part fun? Oh, yeah, real fun. Real fun. You short kid. Anyway. Heaven's like a roller coaster, right? Heaven's like a roller coaster. You must be this tall to ride. And you know what the truth of the matter is? None of us measure up. None of us measure up. But here's the even better truth. Jesus came so that you could measure up. Jesus came to pay our bills. If we trust Jesus... His righteousness, His goodness gets deposited into our accounts because on the cross, our sin was placed on His shoulders. It may be one of these four things, right? It may be the loneliness, it may be the fear, it may be despair, it may be guilt that's standing in between you and, and walking in the light of Jesus. It may be something else. But I believe that Jesus wants to turn off the dark in your life. Jesus wants to shine His light on you so that through you, He can shine His light to the world. And that could be in Zambia, doing laundry and painting classrooms and caring for a missionary family that's serving a whole community of people. It could be in your backyard. It could be at your school. It could be at Main Med. It could be in your family. It could be anywhere. It could be right here. You know people, you know broken people walk into church every Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, she's sitting right back there. She just raised her hand. See, we got one. Okay, there's a few more. Okay, wow, good. Thanks for your honesty. Broken people walk into church every Sunday. How are you sharing the light of life with them? And again, Jesus is teaching, right? He's the better water. He's the better bread. He's the better light. And so many of us look for light. We look, to, we look to fix our loneliness. We look to fix our despair and our fear and our guilt and our shame and so many things. And yet Jesus is right there saying, hey, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So where in your life do you need Jesus to turn the light on? Where in your life do you need Jesus to turn the light on? The worship team is going to come and we're going to sing a song 
um, that I think is very appropriate. But I love, I love the, I love the that, that song. I was thinking about it this morning in the first service. That song, "No Longer Slaves," that I'm a, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God, and isn't that so freeing? Isn't that so freeing? And 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 I love that picture, right? That that we're no longer a slave when Jesus turns the dark off. And so where in your life do you need Jesus to turn a light on? And so we've got some people, I think we have some people that are going to come and stand at the doors and pray. And I just feel like today might be a day. Today might be a day where you would sit and say, you know what, Travis, I just need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to pray with me about something that man, is just just filling me with, with darkness. Because I don't know about you, but I want to wake up tomorrow morning and say that. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. The source of everlasting joy. And so if you're sitting here this morning, you say, man, Pastor, I just would like some prayer. I'll be down front if you want to pray while we're singing. I think there's going to be some people at the doors. Um, they would love to receive you. Uh, and pray with you this morning uh, around that if that serves you. But let's pray together and we'll sing.